This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Believe you started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. An action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I'm really fired up. I uh, got introduced to this guy from one of our advisors, Chad Opal. He said, hey, man, you got to get this guy on the show. And here we are, Mr. Robert Glazer. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Brett? I'm doing well. So I know you are a uh, founder. You're a managing director of Acceleration Partners and Brand Cycle. Uh, you're the author of Performance Partnerships. So we got a lot to talk about today. I know you're a family man and all sorts of stuff. So looking forward to having you on the show today. But like uh, all the Circus Success shows, Robert, we talk about really what's made you the man you are today. I know that's a very open-ended question and sometimes tough to answer. But, you know, what's your answer to that? What's what's made you the man you are today? Um, I think a lot of failure and a lot of persistence in terms of figuring out. I think that combination, you know, gets you to figure out what's most important to you. Um, I, the last five years of my life have been pretty transformative and, and I really, um, you know, I, I attribute that to figuring out my sort of purpose and values and, and what I wanted kind of most in my life and then realigning myself and my family and my business and, and, and my sort of community endeavors around that so that I'm really just playing to strengths and I'm, I'm moving in a, a consistent direction. And so when you think about your successes over your career, I know there's been lots of different types of success, but I mean, when you think about where you're at 10 years ago to where you're at today, I mean, what, what's been, if you can pinpoint it, even if there is a way to pinpoint it down to one or two things, what would you say is that one or two things that's helped you along the way on your journey? Yeah, I, I think I've bet on myself and I think I've, I've focused my energy Um, I, I, this is true for a lot of people. I think, you know, they'll learn either in their twenties or their thirties, you know, they were, they were not doing any better work than when they got to their forties, but, but they just, you know, they didn't have the following, they didn't have the exposure, they didn't have the platform. Um, and, and, and they, they needed to figure out the right place where they could kind of actualize that. So I I think I've, I've worked hard, but I've worked smart, but it it really is that the biggest overarching concept I would say is alignment. And, and, and I think, you know, that if you can get everything aligned in your life, it just, it just works a lot better. Yeah. And when you say alignment, are you talking more just personally, you're talking about your, your circle, what I like to call your circle of influence. I mean, alignment of, of what exactly? It, 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 as I said before, literally everything. So I, I, I got clear about four or five years ago on on my on my sort of you know the the reason for being my my personal core values and 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 core purpose and you know that led to realignment in how I built my business and who I want to do it with with friends with family uh, and, and just where I focus my energy uh, and the type of things that I want to be involved with and then the type of things that. I wanted to quit. You know, I've written a lot lately, but I think one of the one of the biggest productivity or achievement improvements is is is, 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 is the things that you stop doing. 
Um, yeah. and, and, and being, and that there's a lot of people involved in stop doing, <laughs> you know, pe- people that take your energy are the wrong people. And for a lot of people that's family, you know, for me, I, I feel lucky. I really, that, that is not the case, but I, I just seen so many people around me who, you know, family just utterly drains them. Um, and they keep going back to the, back to the well. It's definitely who we surround ourselves with, right? I mean, that's a big yeah. deal. So, um, you know, you've been seen, your work's been seen in the Huffington Post, Fast Company, Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur. You've been on Dr. Oz, um, you know, so a lot of great places. But you've got your Friday forward. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think about three years now, I've been saying two years for a while, but about three years ago, I started an email every Friday to – Folks at, well, let me actually, sorry, let me go back uh, a second. I, I, at that point, I had read a book, a bunch of people. I, I have the rule of three in my circles. When three people tell me to read a book from three different angles, then I usually buy it. And everyone had said, you read this book, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And so I bought the book, read it, and it was just a great book on, how, you know, the importance of, you know, for most people, there's some definitely some night owls, but getting up early and this morning routine to kind of take control of your mornings. I definitely learned that I am cognitively best in the morning and got rid of breakfast meetings and really made that my time to kind of play offense on the day. And as part of that, it was kind of reading something positive was part of that routine. And some of the stuff that I had or I was given kind of chicken soup for the soul stuff, it really wasn't my spirit. So I, I decided to write something that I would like. I took kind of these stories or quotes or things that I had seen, and I started this email called Friday Inspiration to my team of about 30 30 to 40 probably at the time. And I didn't know if anyone was reading it. I just kept sending it every Friday and I'd find something and I'd write it for about a half an hour. And it wasn't about our business. It was just about, you know, improving capacity, something inspiring, story resilience. And eventually people started telling me, you know, I'm sending this to my dad or my brother. I share with my family or I love these and kind of just giving me some data that they were reading them. And we have a remote workforce and it was a great way to connect and, I was at a conference uh, right about then with some other entrepreneurs, and I, and I told them, you know, that I had been doing this. And I said, look, I'll send you the one I'm sending, and you can forward it or create your own. But it's been a really good experience. I've gotten great feedback. So some of them forwarded it. They sent me – one guy did his own and has gone on to do it for three years and sent me a bunch of feedback. And then I said, you know, I wonder if some other people in my network would be interested in this. So I – I added them to the list, and then I was BCCing everyone, and, and it got a little out of control as people asked to be added. Um, so eventually, I set up a newsletter and 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 a very text format, but just so I could manage it. And and then six months later, I set up a website because people were asking me where the old ones were, kind of for an archive. And that was sort of the birth of Friday Ford. And now I've got about fifty thousand um, weekly readers across fifty countries across the world, and. Um, I hear from all kinds of people each week and writing me back stories, and it's fun to watch the when it sends to watch all the pins light up on the computer around the world. It's it, it's really made the world very very small for me. You're listening to the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Stay with us. We are back again this month with Ryan Luckdefeld from Delmar Financial. How you doing, Ryan? I'm good, Brett. How are you? It's good, man. It just seems like yesterday we were in here chatting. We were talking VA loans. That's Today correct. we're talking credit scores. We're talking all sorts of stuff. So, uh, so let's dive in. Let's talk credit scores. So, when you think about the impact, um, positively or negatively, how does it affect my credit score? Whatever I'm doing out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's huge. It's huge. Not just 
uh, in buying a house, buying a car, it's your insurance rates, it infects so many things in your life that you really need to understand how, how credit scores work. And uh, we have people all the time that we talk to that think their credit score is terrible, and we talk to them and their credit score is a lot better than what they thought it was, and vice versa. We have people that think that their credit scores are, are great, and, and we run their credit, and it's not quite as good as they, as they uh, thought it was. So it's very important for people to know those credit scores. Yep. Uh, there's a million things that go into how those scores come about, and I want to get into a little bit of that today. Yep. So let's talk about that positively. What can I do to if my score is here and I want it to go here, or I need it to go here, what do I need to do to make that happen? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing is the obvious one. Make your payments on time, right? That's, that's the most important thing as far as your credit scores are concerned. That being said, what was interesting to me when I first learned a lot about this is it's really only about a third of your credit score. <laughs> Making your payment on time is about 35%. They, they predict, when I say they, experts who, who analyze this sort sure. of stuff. Nobody knows exactly what the logarithm is um, that goes into it, but what most people predict is that it's about 35% of your credit scores. Um, and if you had late payments in the past, Unfortunately, there's, you can't go back in time right. and, and make them on time, but the further those are away from happening, the higher your scores are going to be. Got so it. time will cure that. Kind of like a hangover, right? right exactly. The only way to cure a hangover is time. is time. Well, same thing with, with late payments on a credit score. Um, but what's interesting to me is, is almost as important and something you can do something about is the ratio of how much money you owe on a credit card compared to the balance on that credit card. Now, there's two things involved in that ratio, right? How much you owe, and sometimes you can't do much about that, depending on your situation. But one thing you can do something about is the limit on that credit card. And believe it or not, if you owe $3,000 on a credit card and the limit on that credit card is $5,000, your scores are going to be adversely affected. Hmm. However, if you owe $3,000 on a credit card and that same credit card now has a limit of $10,000, your scores are going to be higher. So that's, that's a little trick that people yeah. need to pay attention. And can you do you find that you can really negotiate with say American Express or Visa Mastercard if I have a $5,000 limit, can you go back in and try to get a 10 to help that or not? Yeah, quite often you can. If you've had yeah. the card for a while and you have good payments on it, they'll let you do that. The the trick that I use and I use it in my own life is if you're buying, you're going to Best Buy and you're opening up a Best Buy credit card yep. for 0% financing for a year. Nothing wrong with that. That, that, that. that's not a bad thing. Take advantage of that 0% right. for a year and then pay it off in that year. And, it, and it, uh, it helps you economically. Um, but one thing that I've started to do is if I buy $1,500 worth of stuff at Best Buy and therefore open up this Best Buy credit card, I don't want a credit card that has a limit of 1500 I specifically ask to have my limit be $5,000 or whatever the number is, as big as it can be. Because I want that ratio, again, it's all about that ratio of how much you owe compared to the limit. I want that ratio to be 30% or less. Yep. And if I can get there, then it will help my credit score. Right. Which makes sense because they probably would do that at a place like Best Buy. They're going to give you a little bit more because they want you to spend more, right? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, so how, what are we doing? What, are, what am I doing? What are everybody else doing out there to negatively impact it? Obviously not paying our bills on time, but what else? Ratios. Yeah, yeah the, the two things I mentioned, um, there is truth in the fact that the more often your credit scores get pulled, um, that it does adversely affect your credit scores. So. Any way you can to limit the amount of credit uh, polls that you have out there is a smart thing. That being said, a little bit of myth, and we run into this all the time. Uh, let's say you go buy a car. Well, you go buy a car, and we see it all the time. And the credit, or the, I'm sorry, the the car dealership ran your credit 15 times, and people freak out about that. No need to freak out about that. There is uh, um, written into the formula that over a. It depends on the on, on the. Um, 
the credit bureau, but let's say for average, over a two-week period, you can have your credit pulled as many times as you want by people in the same industry. So that being you're going to buy a car, that being you're getting uh, pre-approved for a home loan. You can have me run it. You can have someone else run it. You can have a third person run it. And all, as long as it's all done within a two-week period, it only counts as one inquiry. Okay? That being said, you don't want to have me run it and then apply for a credit card the next day and then go try to buy a car two weeks from now. All of that will adversely affect your okay. credit score. So sense. limit the amount of times your credit gets pulled. Is a good. So you know we get asked this a lot too. But what if now let's say I had that five thousand dollar credit card uh, debt. I pay it off. I'm I'm not going back to credit cards, man. I'm paying you know ATM for everything. Do I cut that credit card up, or do I leave that balance open? Because again, now if it's five thousand dollars and I owe zero. Does that help, or does it hurt to have it open? No, absolutely, and, and that's an excellent next question because that is the fourth factor that goes into credit scoring, and that's um, that's how long. A going back to the to the other thing about the ratio of your limit to uh, to the balance. Similar thing here is what experts say is don't cut those credit cards up, don't okay. close them, leave them open. It does two things for you. It gives you length of credit history because that's one thing that goes into credit scoring is how long have you had credit open. Right. And if you now close that credit card, that comes off of your an open credit for you and and it's the the average length of credit history. So, I don't know if I said that right, but to to summarize and answer your question is keep credit cards open that are okay. already open. Yeah. Don't necessarily open new ones, but keep them open that are already open. So, if we can have zero balance and keep them open, that's good. Absolutely. Um, biggest thing you see right now stopping loans getting approved. What's going on out there in the in the world of loans? Yeah, and I, I would say credit scoring. I would cre- say credit scoring is probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, if if you have a low credit score, it's not hopeless for you by any means. But you're going to need to do some work, and you're going to need to work with someone like myself in order to know what work you need to do. Uh, but definitely, credit scoring is what a keeps people from getting a loan. Period. But it doesn't just do that. It also keeps people from getting maybe the type of loan that's best for them. Or if, let's say, they can get a good loan, their interest rate might be a little bit lower. I'm sorry, a little bit higher if their credit scores are lower. So it goes all the way up the scale. There's people that we talk to that can't get a loan because of their credit scores, and we'll work with those people. Sometimes I tell, hey, this is going to take three months. Sometimes I tell them it's going to take a year or longer. And as long as they work with us, we can finally get them in that house. But as we go up the scale... It also affects people that still can buy a house but want their interest rate to be a little bit lower, and therefore we have to improve their credit scores. Got it. So uh, question, why Ryan Luchtefeld? And then as I look over your shoulder here, I see founded in 1966, Delmar Financial Company is a full-service mortgage company. So that's a long time, right? In this industry, I think you see a lot of you know mortgage companies pop up. They come, they go. But you guys have been around a long time. So why you? Why Delmar? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm glad you mentioned that because i got to do the math real quick about how long, uh, how long Delmar's been open. But this is, this is Delmar's 52nd year, and it's been yeah. in the same family for 52 years, which is really amazing. It, it is. It, and, and we're not going anywhere. We're not, the owners of the company are not building it up to sell it some, someday. That, that's what a lot of companies are doing. We're not doing this. The owner of the company is proud of his grandpa who started the company. He's proud of he and his brother who carried on the tradition, and, and they don't plan on changing that anytime soon. So Delmar's been around for a long time. Several reasons for that. One is the fact that they take care of their clients. Couldn't be around that long if you didn't right. do that. Uh, as far as myself is concerned, um, I've been doing this for 15, 16 years. And in that time, I've been with two companies. There's a lot of people in my industry 
that hop around quite a bit yep. for whatever reason. And I've chosen not to do that. I've been lucky enough to be with great companies, and maybe that's helped. But still, I like the stability of being with one company, and I've been with this company now for uh, almost five years. Yeah, awesome. SLU basketball, how are we doing this year? SLU's doing good. SLU's doing good. I went and watched the game uh, this past weekend. They beat Oregon State. Saw that. They had a little hiccup against uh, SIU Carbondale, um, but they did beat Oregon State this weekend, and they go to Houston. Houston, uh, one of the top 20 teams in the country. Is that right? They are. They are, and they will in the RPI so or a big whatever test. it's called now. Uh, so, yeah, big test this weekend. They'll be in Houston on Sunday. Uh, but then uh, And then Florida State in Florida after that, and then back for some home action later awesome. on in the month. Well, as always, SLU basketball. We'll talk a little SLU basketball, talk about why Ryan Lechtefeld. It's great to have you once again on the Circuit of Success. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Sounds good, Brett. Thank you. We're back to the Circuit of Success. I am Brett Gilliland. I am your host, and we are joined every single week with great guests who uh, really open up and let us listen in to their world and what it takes to be successful. And they talk about the circuits of attitude, beliefs, and action to ultimately get results that's helped them in their life become very successful in whatever that endeavor is. I mean, what do you think, other than just good content, I mean, I think we got to have good content, but what do you think is, uh, other than good content, would you say there's anything else you did to make that thing grow? Because there'd be a lot of us, really, that would want to have something that has 50,000 uh, readers every single week. What do you think it was? Yeah, so first of all, the decision to continue with it was one of those core value alignment decisions. So it literally aligns to multiple of my core values and our company's values around around doing better, getting better, connection. So when I was like, what is this? Should I be spending time on this? First, the decision to continue was really a, was really a value-based decision. So like, I don't know where this is going, but I like doing it. It seems to help people. I think the second is that I really focus on value for the reader. And, and, and you know, I have in a lot of writing and working with editors now, I think it's something that I, I, I've, I've learned to do based on just being coached by others, which is there's no, nothing is ever sold. There's no pitch. Like, and, and, and look, it's helped our business a lot, but not because it talks about our business or anything about what we do. Um, so again, it's just solely about value for the reader and then the third is I, I found this very true in a bunch of things in life and particularly writing. There's some things where just long work is, is, is rewarded where you do it for a hundred days. And then on the hundredth day, there's the tipping point. And, and I've consistently heard this about writing and, you know, you get part of it is you get better at your craft, you get better on the message, but there's some, there's some things that I've done where I, I've done it for a long time and then you just, you never, and you do a good job and you keep putting in the work without, without the expectation of return, but focusing on that value. And then it just tips at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, a lot of that is faith, right? Cause I mean, it, it, a lot of people wouldn't have made it a hundred times. So if you have a hundred articles or hundred podcasts, hundred radio shows, whatever it may be, yeah, there's some, Dar- there's some Darwinian there. element in there, right? right? I, I think there's some, like, you know, that the people who want to, you know, try to, if it's really about themselves, they would have quit sooner, right? If it's really about contributing to others, and, and, and that's what people always say to me, like, I, have you thought about taking weeks off? And so I'm like, every time I've thought about that, take a week off, I get some email from someone in some other country or whatever who tells right. them how meaningful that was. They needed that that week and, you know, what they did. And I'd like, that's what, gets me excited to, to, to write next week. It is. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, too. you got that competitive side in you, right? Like, I think about the holidays. Am I going to take off the podcast and maybe not, maybe take a few weeks off and not have to worry about it, right? Because 
like you're right, my podcast, it's something every single week you're responsible for. But then you do, you're right. You get the email, but you got that competitive side in you as well. Um, so let's talk about core values. You've already mentioned that, you know, twice at least already on, on this recording. And so when you think about that, I mean, what are your core values? How did you define those? How can you help our listeners if they're struggling with that? What was the process you went through? Yeah, so so not not, not to be pitchy, but I, I this is this is in my next book, which will come out next year. I, I sort of talk talk through that process. Um, I've covered it in some of um, Friday Forward, but it, I, I actually built the tool. So if anyone wants it, and they go to FridayFWD.com or Google Friday Forward, you'll see something called the Whole Life Dashboard, and in that is sort of a process on how to start it. Um, but but I, I think for most people. You can start by, I, I, I got kicked off at a leadership retreat that was very introspective, but you can start by really thinking about the, the times when you do well, the times when you don't well, what are the things that really frustrate you? I, I can always, I, I tell people, you, 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 can, you, can, you know you've hit a core value when, um, when, when you're in the room and someone has the opposite values and they feel like kryptonite. And you can't even hmm. <laughs> you, you can't even sort of be near them. Sometimes it's actually the opposite that that proves the um, that proves the thing. So I, I, I've I've continually found that um, to be a, a process. So one of the things I recommend to people is there's lists of words and stuff, but really you know do this thinking. When, when have you done well in life? When are you happy? What are the situations in work and professionally when you're when you're upset? And and you kind of write all these down. And you may look at a list of these words, and I included a bunch of the lists about things that are important to you and things that resonate with you. And, and then you just kind of start circling and looking for the common the common bonds. And what what I say to everyone is that it's it's really like it's like guardrails. Um, it, it, it they become your guardrails around how you make how you make decisions around people, how you make decisions you know elsewhere and 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 in work and professionally. And they they just it, you know it helps you helps you know where to drive the car. So I know I know you asked me kind of about mine. Um, I, I, I've also sort of emul- I, I come up with the core purpose and. For some people, they have that. For some people, they don't. The, the core purpose to me is sort of the overarching principle that the values are, are served by. So for me, the, the core purpose is a catalyst for change, improvement, and growth. You can, I mean, that's right out of what Friday Ford is, if you think about it. Yeah. And, and then my values are finding a better way, health and vitality, long-term orientation, respectful authenticity, and self-reliance. And I, I sat with those for about six months for a year, tweaked them until they felt really good. And I, I can tell you when I'm doing something, whether it's business, family, whatever, in service of those things, no matter, it's great. It's easy. I love it. And when I'm being asked to go, uh, you know, uh, like uh, against them, you know, long-term orientation, I, I've never been good in business or otherwise at doing something for a short-term gain. Uh, and, and so, you know, we've definitely turned down business where someone's like, Look, we want to waste all this money, and we want to do it quickly, and we're just like, ah, eh, that's just not. Right? <laughs> Doesn't feels like it'll be great for like a couple months, and and I've seen this movie, you know. And then they come back three months later, and they say, why do we waste all this money? So, uh, th- those things are just prevalent for me. And if you if you look, and, and they tie directly to our company's core values as well. Yeah, and I think it's a process too. Like you said, you sat on them for a while. I mean, I've I've got my journal open here and. Mine are, mine are the acronym for grit, but it's, it's growth, respect, integrity, and trust, right? And so my purpose is to help people have a future greater than their past. And so 
by doing this stuff, I mean, talking to guys like you, I mean, I think it's, it's amazing how in line we all are is it's not about self. It's about helping others. And I think for those that may struggle with it, you know, people listen to this show are successful anyway, so they've done this, but I think it, it's slowing down to speed up and it's slowing down to spend time on truly what are they so that you can articulate it and it can drive you in your daily daily habits and your in your daily travels. When you right, think? as you said, because it's your gift. It's right. What 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 are you great at that you can contribute? And and then you should have you know do well financially off of that. But I, the folks who I've seen who have financial oriented goals without any meaning behind them find themselves you know, rich and divorced or rich right. and kids aren't talking to that. Like they get to the financial goal, but the, but the, but the why we always talk about the why behind it, like the why behind it isn't there. The example I always use in which I reference in the book is like, if, if you want a vacation home, if that's a, so your goal should come out of your core values, right? So you know why you're doing it. So if one of your long-term goals is that you want a beach house. Well, why is that? Is that, a place for your family to be because family is important in a core value or is that uh, an actualization of your success? If, if, if it's a place, if you were doing it because you want your family to be there and your family all doesn't like the beach, then, you know, getting to that goal is not going to actually make you happy or serve your purpose. Right. No, I couldn't agree more. So when you think about um, brand awareness, and that's one of the things that you focus on, is how do we focus on that? How do we do it? How do we create brand awareness? Yeah, so, I mean, there's, are you talking about personal brand or sort of company brand? Well, I think, I mean, all of the above. I mean, I, I think to use my, my situation is I, I have my own personal, you know, this type of yeah. stuff, and I've got my, my company, right? I mean, that's, what I, that's how I make my living. That's how I support my family. That's how we serve our community. Um, so I think you know, I look at it as they're all one, right? Yeah. I am visionary and visionary is me for in my situation. And so, um, you know, each advisor in our firm that visionary is them, right? So it just yeah. depends on how you look at it. Yeah, I think um, to me, a brand is just what you're going to stand for and how you would want people to describe you when you're outside the, the room. You know, I would want people to describe me with my core values. You know, our family has core values too. And I've, one of the things I've always said was one of my proudest moments as a parent was when our son's teacher, I think in fourth grade, you know, used four of those five core values to, to describe him, you know, on his, uh, in his parent teacher conference. So, uh, you know, that, that, that to me is the, the essence of brand. I think it's just, being authentic and not being afraid to stand for something and, and understand that you can't be everything to anyone, everyone. And I've learned that building a company, like we've been fortunate to win a lot of awards and culture awards. And I always say like, we are a great place to work for a specific set of people who deeply believe and share our values. We're probably a really bad place to work <laughs> for lots of other people that, 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 that don't. And, and, you know, the expression that I'm using and I want to thought about starting sort of, sort of movement around is this notion of like fly your flag, like just the, the, you know, who are you be consistent with that, you know, fly it and, and attract the right people and uh, repel the wrong people and clients. Yeah. So you'll like this. So you probably, with you having kids, you said, so I was uh, playing with my now four-year-olds. Uh, he's my fourth child. He's four years old now. He had, you know, those trains, you try to put them together and they either attract each other, right? Yeah, yeah, the the magnet. Yeah, the magnet, right? So I always talk about your vision and your values are like that magnet. They're either going to attract people or they're going to repel people. 
right? Yeah. And I think that if, they, the, if it repels them, that's the goal, right? It's like I don't, I don't like. There's some people like I don't even want them to want to deal with me because if right. they, if 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 they if they like shenanigans and non-transparency and short-term gain, like do me a favor and like stay away from my life. I could not agree more. Yeah, we talk about God in our firm, which I guess is not politically correct in today's world. And we had an advisor we were talking to at another firm, and he said, you know, you use the word God too much or faith too much. And it's like, boom, right there, we knew this this wasn't the yeah. right fit, right? And that's great because he's great. not going to be yeah. happy. We're not going to be happy. That's okay. doesn't make him a bad person or us bad people, but it's just better off. So You, you know you have a great company culture when someone comes to you and says, I, I, I appreciate everything this firm does. It just isn't for me. Like, yep. right. And in terms and, 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 and if, in a lot of cases, I think if you do that, people opt out, they opt out on their own. I do the cultural onboarding in our company and the, the folks who are the most frustrated when they come in are the ones where they went to a company and they, they taught the values on day one and they talked about these things and they didn't behave in that way. Right. Yep. So, you know, if, 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 if you talk about God and you go to, you know, and you, and you respect that and you go to services and you fall through that and everyone's like, wow, they're really consistent, but this is just not something I want in my workplace where someone else goes, I totally want a workplace that's faith enabled versus saying, you know what? He talks about it all the time, but then I saw the dude drink in his office on Christmas by himself, you know, right, I, right. that, it, that right. that's what drives people nuts. And, and sadly, I think that's what goes on in most companies, right? They, yeah. they get this Dilbert idea and they paint the three core values on the wall and they never talk about them and it's not actually how people behave. And so people get sort of disenfranchised by that. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, from a leadership standpoint. I think it's it's easy to be you, you want to be liked, right? There's I know there's a lot of leaders out there. You think of like Steve Jobs, who was you know they say hard pressed, just a hard dude to work for, but look, he, you know made the dent in the universities made. But I think most of us aren't comfortable being disliked by everybody. So how can we be flexible as a leader, but yet still hold people accountable? Uh, it's a great question, and I, I think I've struggled this. I think I wanted to be liked by by too many people, and then again, it goes to the same concept. What I realized is I, I actually wanted to be liked or appreciated by the right people. Again, back to that alignment, and the other people I just couldn't care about. Right? I mean, yeah. I I've learned. I do a lot of writing, um, so my stuff is all over LinkedIn. You see a lot of comments. You just see, you know, you write some nice article about something, and someone comes in and just writes this, you know ridiculous, you know, bombastic response. I just learned to not even just not even read and ignore and engage with those people rather than trying to convince them why, you know, they're not they're not seeing it the right way. So I I I think it goes back again to fly the flag. You know, I always tell people like this is why you love working for me in the company. This is why you won't like it. Um here here's what I look for. I mean I I believe in setting very high expectations as a leader and then coaching everyone to 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 get over that bar um there are a lot of leaders who just look back behind them like why is everyone why can't everyone be as good as me right and that's not going to be a great team and and the answer is also not lowering the bar i think it's keeping the bar high trying to get people over you know being 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 comfortable with with who you are and what you want and in terms of accountability we part of that is you know we use a lot of open book Everyone's to-dos and quarterly to-dos and goals are all laid out. They're all public in the company. So, so the system holds people accountable. If, if, if you show up for, as I was saying before, people opting out, if you're, if you're read on our dashboard every week for six months, I, I probably don't have to talk to you about how you're not doing well. You know, you're, you're probably looking for a new job. Like yep. you, you understand 
what our standards are and our goals are. And, 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 you know, some, some people just aren't in the right place. There's just a better place for them. So I look back at my career, you know, 18 years, I've, I've coached and mentored and hired, trained, developed, you know, well over a hundred, hundred and something, 150 financial advisors. And I think the number one thing I've got my school of thought on this, but I want to hear yours, but how, how do we build our capacity up enough to outperform what I would say the normal is, right? The normal is most human beings, I think they want to, they want to deliver to wherever they need to kind of be financially, right? But yeah. how do we go above and beyond that and outperform? Yeah, so outperform is actually the name of my book, uh, and it's on capacity building. So I don't even know if you knew that. So it was good. I, I may have done some research. <laughs> I may have not. But <laughs> right. so the the. I, I'm breaking into four elements of what I call capacity building. We've really, fo- I focused on these personally and they've how we focused on building leaders in our company. And I say, it's like, we focus on building them up holistically, not, not trying to just get them better at their job or, or at the task. And so the first is spiritual. And, and I actually say that in a non-religious setting, but what you and I are just talking about, what do you want most? What are your values? What do you actually want most? And what are your kind of non-compromising principles? Because if you if you don't have clarity around that, like it's hard to know as a person what you should be doing or, or where you should be going or how to set those goals. The second is intellectual capacity. And, and that's really around improving kind of your horsepower and, and your learning and that's and, and your goal setting and your planning and your discipline. Like that that's your ability to just get bad better and have a growth growth mindset. Um, you can you can, you know, read five books on on financial investing and be smarter on it, and make better decisions than than last week. We all have the ability to just upgrade our processor. Yep. You know, the third is physical capacity and, and that really has two parts. I think that's kinda you know what, 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 how you treat your body, what you put into it. Um, what, you know, what, what's your, what's your gasoline? Are you putting in the high octane? Are you <laughs> putting in the right. crappy stuff? And, and, and then just managing stuff like sleep and stress. Because let, let's go back. So let's say I know what I want and I have really good discipline. Well, if I'm sleeping three hours and I'm not eating well and I'm a, like I'm just not going to make the good decisions and use that very well. And then the last is the emotional capacity, which is really how you both handle the, the, the little voice in your head that, that, you know, questions the things you can do and then your relationships with others. And, and it, it, you know, it comes down to, there's some people, if you think about practice or, or like a car, you know, you, all the other capacities, you, you, you build the car, you press the car, you test it out, but then you got to put it on the racetrack and there are other drivers there. And there's some people that, you know, really, you know, shine in that situation and others that, that crater. So I, those, I, elements are, are I think present in all aspects of self-improvement and they need they're like a ball that, that like that has mass that each quadrant you need it to grow but you need it to be in unison with the others to have momentum and mass and we really have focused a lot of our training and development around those principles yeah. all right so stay with us while we go to break real quick here with Robert Glazer we're going to be right back after these messages we're going to come back we're going to talk about Instagram and window shopping how he compares those two and then we're going to do a little rapid fire some definitions on what he thinks of some words so stay with us we'll be right back on the circuit of success welcome back to the circuit of success I'm your host Brett Gilliland and today we got in the studio with us Robert Glazer we've got an entrepreneur we've got a business owner we've got an author he has a new book coming out in September of 2019 so check that out he also has a book 
uh, called Performance Partnerships. It's done great. And uh, so check that out. So Robert, uh, we've talked a lot about great stuff. We've talked about fears. Uh, we've talked about brand awareness, things you had told yourself and things you would have acted on, you know, maybe 10 years ago. Um, but let's talk about now. You, you've talked about Instagram and, and compared it to window shopping. Why is that? Yeah, and, and it's interesting because it started to change, but Instagram has been not really a direct response mechanism it, because you haven't, uh, they haven't offered a way historically for people to buy. And, and, and again, that's literally changing as we speak as they have more options. So what brands have had to do is they've had to create a story or, um, you know, a campaign or something that relates to their mission or their vision that values its visual, but without selling anything. It's kind of, it's again, it's like this window display. So what, what can I show in my window display that tells you about my company and what I'm value and what I'm selling without actually selling you something because I can't. Right. And, and so it's, it, it's forced people, as we were talking about before, to just like, how can they deliver value in some way to others without without actually being able to, you know, to, to, to then be transactional? Yeah. Do you find it's helpful for businesses to be on Instagram? And if so, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it depends on the business. My thing on social is that most companies that aren't large don't have the ability to do a lot of channels well. So they're better off finding one or two things that works and really getting good at it than lighting up five, six channels and not paying attention to any of them. So yep. Instagram is clearly, it's, it's much better for a, a youth-oriented brand where there is a cause, where there is visuals, you know, not a commodity sort of price-driven business like that, that where they have the content. Otherwise, you're going to be forcing kind of a round peg into a square hole. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, I'm going to throw three words at you. Let's hear how you define these. Define success. Achievement. Define leadership. Servant. Are these, are these one word answer? Sorry. No, you can be, oh. you, can, you can go as much as you want. <laughs> right, I'll go back. I thought it was a speed round. So, so, so <laughs> I, I, I've been part of these speed rounds. So, so yeah. sorry. The first one was success. Yeah. So yes. success, I always say is, I prefer the word achievement and achievement is the, you know, the, the, the fulfillment of what is important to someone. And, and again, I, I bring that example I said before, because you say to someone, Oh, Joe's really successful. He's got this great business. Yeah, but his wife and kids don't talk to him. Like, if that's what he wanted, then he's successful. You know, if, right. if not, he's not really successful. So I, I prefer achievement to, um, to success. Uh, leader, leadership, I, I thought I, had, I needed a one-word answer. I can, I can do better with longer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, to me, the essential elements of, of leadership are, are, are setting a vision and, and, and then you know, inspiring and corralling a, a group of people in service of that vision and, and helping the, the whole be better than the sum of its parts. And the last one is failure. Failure is something to learn from and to not repeat. I couldn't agree more. I think you might have been in my car this morning when my kids weren't getting ready for school on time. Everybody's been a little slowpoke after the uh, the Thanksgiving break. And uh, I think they got in right before the bell, so there's no tardiness. But I said, you know, a failure here today would be not to learn your morning ritual. It'd be a little bit different, so we're not late for school, right? Because if you don't learn from it, then it's 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 just complete failure. But if you learn from it, then those failures are okay, right? Yeah, we. I mean, we have a whole debrief process in our company. Like, we want people to 
own failure, share it, tell people how they're going to learn from it. But what drives me crazy is making the same mistake twice. And people know I get, you know, they don't want to have to tell me we say made the same mistake twice. Right. Uh, so besides your own book, uh, what is the uh, best book you've ever read? Huh. I'd have to go with, look, there are different purposes. I, I, I mean, in terms of holistically, I, um, that had the biggest impact on me, and I, and I just actually reread it for the first time in 20 years, was, was Atlas Shrugged. Um, I, I hmm. thought it was a... Never heard of it. Uh, by Ayn Rand. It's a, it's a famous sort of philosophical book on entrepreneurship, and um, it was written a long time ago, probably uh, hmm. 50s or 60s. It's really long. It's a long endeavor. The other book, more recent, that I tell everyone that I, I've just gotten a lot of value out of is a book called Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. And it is on cognitive dissonance. And I tell everyone, if you can understand cognitive dissonance, you will make such better decisions in life personally and, and understand why people around you give you terrible and self-serving advice all the time. Um, so it's, it's, it's really a great read and one that I I I connect to personal and professional things almost daily. I'll check that out. Uh, your favorite app, got an iPhone or Samsung, whatever you're using, what's your favorite app you can't live without? Well, and it can't be email because that's kind of Yeah, the, I mean, the one that I can't live with, I, I mean, Waze, I, I, I really depend on getting me there. I, I trust Waze blindly. When it tells me to do some <laughs> weird thing now, right. I just do it because I've I've – I've been like, no, that can't be right. And then I end up in some like, you know, massive like construction project or car crash uh, that, that I'm stuck for hours. So right. uh, I, I, I'd say, yeah, I, if I was outside of the house, um, Waze and then, and then Evernote too is one that I, I yep. use a lot. I've never used Waze. There's people in our firm that use it all the time. I've never actually used it. The, so the hidden value out. of Waze is that it's a radar detector. Um, right. And I, I, it, some cases where I don't need to know, you know, where I'm going, you know, everyone marks where all the police are, which is just helpful to, to know. Right. Not that you're speeding. Not or that anything. I'm speeding. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and your favorite uh, experience. I think life is about experiences. And so when you think about your kind of your life, what's one of those, you know, we've all got our wedding days and the kids were born and all that stuff. Uh, which obviously those, those times, are. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, but what's that? What's that day? It's like, man, if I could go repeat that, what was it? Yeah, it, it was sort of a blur. We took we took a two part sabbatical last year as a family, which was it was sort of my tenth year in business, and I wanted to do that. Um, it, it was the whole thing was amazing. We went to to Yellowstone in Australia, um, but the the first part of just being in a trailer for ten days in in Yellowstone. And, you know, waking up in the morning, I think like the second or third day and outside of Old Faithful and having a cup of coffee on the trailer on the side of the road and watching the geysers go off and thinking like, this is all anyone really needs. Like, right. <laughs> and hold your kids when this is going on. Not want not. Um, when they did that, they were 13, 10 and uh, sorry, sorry. They were um, 13, 11 and nine. Okay, that's exactly what I got, plus a four-year-old. So yeah, all right. Well, I may have to check that out as well. Oh, like, the, the RVing through Yellowstone—it it, it was like stepping back in time. It's just there's no internet in, in in the park, and it's like stepping back 50 years. I'm writing it down, man. 
Always I got the itinerary. If anyone wants it, you, All right. you can find me. It's a good test of perseverance. If you if you can't find me online, you're not looking hard. And if you can find me, I'm happy to share the itinerary. Exactly. Well, that was giving me my final question: Is where can our listeners find more of Robert Glazer? Yeah, uh, if you want to sign up for Friday Ford, you can Google it or go to FridayFWD.com. Otherwise, everything I do is all connected at Robert Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com, or just Google my name and you will you will find me. Awesome. Well, Robert, thanks for the time today, man. I know you're really, really busy, and we appreciate you sharing it with us here on the Circuit of Success. Thanks, Brett. You know, each week we come and we have a we have a goal. Our goal for you is to to take a nugget, to take something every single week. Um, when we dive into the person's life, you know, they talk about the roads they've traveled, they talk about their struggles, they talk about some of their victories. How have they done? What they've done to become successful? So tune in each week on Sundays from four to five p.m. We look forward to spending each and every week with you. If you want more about our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, please find us online at visionarywealthadvisors.com or you can go to the show's website, circuitofsuccess.com. We're also on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. We're there. Come find us. We're easy to find. And uh, we'll be back next week with another great guest on the Circuit of Success. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 